0: episode of from living in silence to living out loud where we'll be discussing the critical issue of mental health in our schools today we are privileged to have dr tony walker senior vice president of academic programs at the jed foundation join us for this illuminating conversation on this topic As we delve into this important issue, we will be exploring some of the pressing concerns impacting students today, including anxiety and depression, as well as suicidal behaviors that are all too common in today's world. Additionally, with the ongoing tragedies that we've seen surrounding mass shootings, this discussion couldn't be more timely or critical. We'll be taking an in-depth look at some of the latest mental health programs that are being implemented in our schools across the country, as well as ways that we can work together to support young people and the incredibly resilient staff and administration in our schools who may be struggling with these issues. So without further ado, Let's dive into this vital conversation with Dr. Tony Walker and explore the future of mental health programs in our schools. There are so many questions that I have for you today, but let's just start with a little bit about who you are. Please tell us a little bit about Tony and about what made you want to work in the mental health field.
1: <laughs> yeah, sure. Well, first, thank you so much, Tally, for having me today. It's such a pleasure to be here. Um, you know, so I think uh, my, my personal entry into mental health probably started, like, you know, with so many people who work in this field and um, my, own, my own upbringing, my own personal journey. Um, so when I was young, I grew up in a family that uh, had some pretty heavy substance use issues. My father was a, was a very serious uh, drug user. And so, you know, I was sort of forced to grow up from a very young age, uh, maybe a little ahead of my ahead of my years, and I think felt a connection to mental health since I was a child. Um, later, uh, I would be the first member of my family to go to college, uh, so I was a first-generation college student, and knew that uh, a huge part of my journey were the educators that supported me. Uh, you know, advising me on what my college journey should look like and and um, opened so many doors for me, so I chose education actually as my original uh career path and When I was a first year teacher uh, I was teaching in inner city St Louis, I had a, one of my favorite students, and I know teachers aren 't supposed to have favorites uh, but one <laughs> right. of one of my favorite students uh at the time and I was mean, just a really really good kid and uh God, I just saw so much potential uh, in this young man uh, in terms of, you know, he could he could do anything. And one day he came up to me and he said, uh, you know, Mr. Walker, I'm not going to be at school for a while. And I said, what do you mean? You know, like, what do you mean you're not going to be at school? And he said, well, the police are coming after me. And I said, well, why? Like, you're a good kid. Like, why would the police be coming after you? And he said, well, I, you know, I robbed a house. And I said, what? Like, what are you talking about? And, uh, and he went on to say, well, you know, my family needed food. And mm-hmm. so I robbed a house to get food for my brothers and my sisters. And I think that was the moment where I realized that I love teaching. I love being in the classroom. But that students had so many other needs in addition to academic needs. And so that's kind of when I started my journey, uh, really, as a mental health professional.
0: Wow. I love it. So you brought some of your own personal and then brought some of your younger year professional work yeah. to this field right now. Yeah. So how is mental health and wellness being addressed in schools, in universities differently than it had been done in the past? Let's just say since you know, these last three years since COVID.
1: Yeah, well, maybe I would start by telling you actually a little bit about the Jed Foundation and sort of, and what we do there. Um, So at the Jed Foundation, as you mentioned, I'm our Senior Vice President of Academic Programs. The Jed Foundation is a national nonprofit organization that really serves as a thought leader on all things youth mental health, and our mission is to uh, reduce youth suicide, okay? And so um, all of our programs that we run in schools across the country uh, report up through my division. And I'd be happy to share more about yeah. what those programs look like and sound like and feel like. Um, but your question mm-hmm. was, how does mental health services look different in colleges and universities and schools now than maybe it used to? Yeah. And I, I think I would start by answering that question with um, with maybe what I think is the gift that COVID-19 gave us, uh, which is that I think it made folks across the country wake up and realize, wow, mental health is real our youth have real needs. Uh, they really are in a mental health crisis. Uh, and there's a lot more that we need to be doing. And so, uh, so I think that's the first part of the question, which is uh, I think folks in education settings across the country have realized we need to do more. We need to show up in new and better ways to provide the services and programs that our students need uh, to be able to meet their mental health needs.
0: Wow, that's great. Okay, perfect. So tell us a little bit more about the programs that Jed offers to schools and universities right now. And what does that look like? Because when I was growing up in the landscape of mental health in our schools and universities, we did not even talk about mental health in the schools. And it was so taboo that we were really um, it was it was held in silence. So yeah. so why is it different? What is Jed doing? Yeah, to make this-
1: I I had the same experience, yeah. and I think that's pretty common for for folks of our generation. Um, so you know, so Jed really serves as a a thought partner to education systems, and so I would say that there's kind of two parts of what we do. Right, the first half of what Jed does is we work with colleges, universities, and K 12 school systems as consultants, as thought partners, right? And so Jed has developed over the years this what we call our comprehensive approach to, uh, to youth mental health. And it's essentially a list of all the best practices that schools and universities should be implementing to really have a very comprehensive mental health program. Okay, so we know what those things are. It's pulled from all the academic literature and research and best practices that are out there. So the JED Foundation steps in over a multi-year program with our, our university or K-12 partners. The very first thing that we do, Tally, is we put together a leadership team of education leaders. It's cross-functional, right? So um, this might include folks like a principal, it might include teachers, it might include school counselors, nurses, etc. Uh, in the K-12 system. After we put together that leadership team, we then collect all sorts of data because we want to understand what does mental health look like at a school according to students according to staff like what are their perceptions and experiences what are their needs so we do all sorts of surveys we collect data and then using that information we put together a strategic plan mapped against those best practices that i told you that are part of our comprehensive approach and the, the idea behind that is that we really help schools identify where are they really knocking it out of the park like where are they doing a great job of providing services for youth mental health and also where could they get better and then after we put together that strategic plan we provide years of technical assistance support actually helping school systems to build those programs and services to meet those needs
0: well that's that is incredible and also that schools are willing to step up and say we can't do this on our own, which is really a big part of this. So we're seeing right now, um, of course, we're talking about a lot of the tragedies that have been um, happening within our school systems and in the country with our mass shootings, um, along with a lot of homicidal thoughts and um, suicide rates going up. what other things are you seeing schools grappling with at this time?
1: Yeah. Well, you know, I'm glad you mentioned that. Uh, so so the first thing I would say is um, the mental health crisis that our youth are facing is actually not a new thing, right? I feel like, as I mentioned before, we're talking about it a lot more in the, the wake of COVID-19. Uh, where, where it sort of became front and center in, in the public spotlight, but it's always been there. And in fact, the 10 years leading up to uh, 2019, we were seeing youth suicide rates at an all-time high, rates of depression at an all-time high, rates of anxiety in youth um, at an all-time high. So these, these have been issues that youth have been grappling with. Um, I think that now we're just more focused on it. Um, you know, it's a huge, it's a huge issue and i think especially where we see it is when we look at some of our marginalized communities for example we look at our black youth which is actually uh, one of the minority groups right now that is struggling the most with suicidal ideation we've seen the most drastic increase in our black communities uh, especially with black young people in terms of suicidal ideation also our lgbtqai plus community we know are four to six times more likely to commit suicide Uh, than their peers and so you know they're they're just huge issues across the board that that schools are grappling with and really need to step up and address
0: yeah and so what would be the key to a successful school program right now
1: yeah i think i think the most important thing is that it's comprehensive you know so in my experience and um, i didn't really share this in my background but uh before before working at the jed foundation i actually was a a district level administrator in the k-12 space Um, And so, you know, I led these types of programs. And I think where I've seen it go wrong, uh, when I think about my friends who still work in the K through 12 world and and my colleagues who work in the the higher education space is folks think about mental health. And the first thing that they think about is counseling. Mm -hmm. It's really important, right? I'm not going to like undersell that in any sort of way. Counseling is really important. It's a vital part of the pie, but it's one piece of the pie. And so I think what what the Jed Foundation firmly believes, and we do a pretty good job of of rolling out, is that in order to have a holistic system that really moves the needle on student mental health, it's got to be comprehensive. And so we include all these other pieces of the pie that I'd be happy to tell you about if you're interested. Yeah, I would
0: love that. And I also believe, especially in some of our underserved communities, that we need to educate before we go into the counseling part. Yes. So... What does Jed do to educate um, before we start, you know, it's sort of like putting the cart before the horse. Yep. It's like saying, okay, I'm going to give you counseling, but you don't even know what that That's is. Right. So what, what does that look yeah, like? Yeah,
1: so let me give you some other Please. examples of, of parts of our comprehensive approach, right? So, so one of the things that we know is effective in reducing suicide amongst young people, uh, we call means restriction okay there's really like common sense very practical things that schools and universities can do to reduce the amount of deaths by suicide one of those things is as simple as it sounds put locks on the right doors right so for example a lot of universities have dormitories and buildings that you can walk out onto the roof right and we know that there have been deaths deaths by suicide off of rooftops so making sure that campuses are locked down, that those doors have locks on them, uh, making sure that the closets have breakaway closet rods uh, that snap under pressure so that uh, you, know, you can't have death by hanging in a closet. Those are some very tactical things that, that universities can do. Um, another domain would be promoting social connectedness. So we know that when young people feel connected to a broader community, when they have friends and they perceive that they are included and they feel like they belong, rates of suicidal ideation really, really decrease, right? And also academic achievement goes up. And so uh, helping schools and universities to build really positive school cultures where young people feel like they can thrive and flourish, also really important. Final example I'll give you is uh, promoting what we at the Jed Foundation call life skills, Mm -hmm. uh, where you are helping to build the competency of young people to navigate the world around them, right? Mm -hmm. So this is things like making friends, helping them to make responsible decisions, helping them to reflect um, on their own well-being and advocate for themselves and seek help when they need it, right? And recognize yeah. when something's not right uh, and that maybe they need that additional layer of support. So I would say to your question, yeah. those types of other pieces of the of the puzzle are every bit as important as the counseling piece okay. if you really want to build a very comprehensive system of mental health uh, in the school setting.
0: Absolutely, and I also think that communication has changed drastically. Um, the way we communicate with one another. And I think that that is another big systematic change yeah. that um, would be great to look at. Does the Jed Foundation in any way have any programs that support the growth of technology and the use of technology um, in, in the schools? Because I see um, how much social media is playing a role in our young people's lives.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, so that's woven through our Mm -hmm. comprehensive approach in terms of the ways that we support schools and thinking about that work, right. Um, being aware of social media and the dangers of social media as well as the positives. Mm -hmm. Um, but I, I also think that there's like, there are some real positives that can come out of social media. Right. Mm -hmm. And so like one example of sort of the other part of the work that we do at the Jed foundation is we try to meet students where they are and so uh, I think actually our most like, student-facing work is leveraging folks who are social media influencers and celebrities and uh, you know, big companies like Netflix and Disney and MTV and that sort of thing uh, to, to advise content that is helpful to young people as they think about mental health um, and to help reduce the stigma that can exist around mental health.
0: So now that you brought that up, the big thing is stigma. So, you know, since COVID-19 happened and we talk about how we're talking about mental health more in today's society, I think it can be a double-edged sword because I still think we're moving very quickly with our language and empowering language surrounding mental health. What are some things right now that we could be doing as a society that might be beneficial to helping with the stigma. Um, I think a lot of people right now are doing their best job that they can on social media, um, putting things out there that they think are correct and with the best of intentions. Yep. But what other things? What, what what other things do you see that we could be possibly doing within our school systems with our parenting? Yep.
1: Well, I think that first thing is to just continue to normalize mental health the same way that we would talk about any other sort of health, right? So if you uh, you know, go, to, to go to your primary care physician and they say, hey, you know, I'm a little bit concerned about your heart. You know, you're seeing a little bit of uh, you know, cholesterol issues here. like We're going to put you on X, Y, and Z treatment. Nobody thinks twice about that, right? Like, Of course, you're going to follow your doctor's advice. You want to be healthy. Uh, you're going to do what you need to do to take care of yourself, right? The exact same narrative should exist around mental health uh, and that it is treated just like any other type of, uh, tri- type of health uh, condition. And so I think the more that we uh, in society can normalize that and model that for our young people, the better. right? We all have mental health challenges that we will face uh, just because life is hard yeah. uh, and we'll throw curveballs totally. at all of us. right? Yeah. So I think that's really important. Um, I think specific to the school system, Tally, I would mention um, really investment from the top down. Right. So I think that um, we name what matters. And Absolutely. when you have folks like superintendents of K 12 systems, and you've got folks like chancellors and presidents of university systems that are naming mental health is a priority for us at my institution. Mm-hmm. And we are all going to take actions and invest dollars and, and work on policies and programs that support the mm-hmm. mental health of not only our young people, but also of the staff who work here that is when it becomes something that we're actually working on and doing, right? So we name what matters.
0: Absolutely. But I also think keeping things in the forefront. So right now, mental health is having this moment. We're talking about mental health. We see the importance of it. But what I think a lot of us in the mental health field could be afraid of is that five years from now, are we going to still be having this conversation? Are we gonna still be bringing this to light? And are we gonna be talking about this differently? And I think with the incredible programs that you're working on, um, is there a path forward? Is there a path forward that you see that you will be able to, especially the stigma campaigns, where you're able to see into the future? and keep this conversation going.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's vital that we do, right? So I feel really hopeful about the momentum that we currently have. Uh, my hope is that we're at a tipping point where uh, you know the snowball has started rolling and it's not going to stop. Uh, you know, So, so just in, in the terms of the Jed Foundation, we're currently working with over 450 universities across the country. Mm-hmm. That's more than 30% of all of our colleges and universities in the United States are Jed campuses and have gone through our programming. And of course, that number is growing every day. Uh, we're currently in over 100 uh, different high school systems. And that's one of our newer programs, and that's continuing to grow. We've got some exciting stuff coming down the pipe there, can share more about. So so I think that um with the momentum that we have, um we're heading in the right direction. But to your point, it's up to all of us to keep the conversation alive and keep it front and center not only amongst mental health professionals, but all decision makers, because there's so many competing priorities. And I also think uh you know a group that sometimes get left out but is super important to the conversation is our is our legislators.
0: Absolutely.
1: Yeah, because at the end of the day, you know, like where are the dollars coming from that yep. school systems, especially public school systems, are using to pay for these types of programs? Uh, you know, Most of them are coming from, from state and federal dollars. And so making sure that it stays front and center in the conversation there is really important too.
0: Absolutely. And then another piece that I think we can't overlook is the way our families handle yeah. mental health and how we can have these discussions and also bring trainings and education to not just our students, but to our parents, our grandparents, raising grandchildren, what does that look like? What Are there any programs right now that are um, out there that not just support the students? Because I think very much when you're looking at a holistic model, and you're wanting to impact everybody, um, everybody involved in a child's life. So, Do you have programs that also sort of blanket the the landscape of of who affects a child?
1: Yeah, yeah. We at the Jed Foundation absolutely do, Uh, you know, and I would encourage all of our listeners today to go to jedfoundation.org and and you can find lots of information about the various campaigns and programs that we have available. I think the point that you raised, Hallie, is so critical Um, and sometimes, unfortunately, Parents are left out of the conversation, right? And so so I actually think it's critical that they are included in that conversation because at the end of the day, um, when we think about school systems, like really you have two primary users and one is the students themselves and the other is like the parents, right, uh, that support that student. And so their voice is so important. Um, making sure that when we think about equity – And designing programs and mental health services that will actually reach all students and be effective across all cultural contexts, the only way that you can design those programs is if you're really including parent voice along the way and meeting their needs. And I'll give you a real life example um, back from when I was uh, in the chair of executive leadership of K twelve. So you know, I recognized this need pretty early on, of you know, gosh. We have families that would benefit from a family therapy service, Mm -hmm. okay? And I knew it. Uh, We wanted to offer it free, low cost. Um, And so I partnered with a a local university uh, mental health center that would provide that service for us. And the only problem was that uh, parents to take advantage of the service had to actually go out to that university campus. Mm -hmm. And we didn't have a whole lot of takers and you know we thought and thought about like what is happening here it became pretty apparent it wasn't because there was a need we had tons of referrals but it was families weren't actually showing up on campus right and what we realized when we stepped back is there was a lot of fear about going to this unknown provider offsite at a university you know you don't know these people uh, and so our families weren't showing up the way that we hoped that they might and so the following year we decided let's do an experiment let's make a change and what would happen if Instead of our families needing to go off-site, if we actually brought the providers to our schools and we offered family therapy Um, services at our schools because families were used to coming there every day, right? So, like, it was comfortable for them. They trusted the environment. And it was night and day wow. uh, in terms of our number of, of families that would show up and take advantage of those services. And we saw tremendous results. So that's just one real-life example of the types of shifts that schools can make, the types of services that they can offer. Yeah. Because schools really are the heartbeat of Absolutely. a community. You know, and, and families and community members are yeah. used to going there every day uh, anyway.
0: Yeah. No, I think that's extremely important. And we talk about accessibility. So another thing that we're talking about is accessibility in different ways and new ways. Um, And bringing this forward with the technology age. And as you said, there are some real positives. And in school districts right now, we can now get on a Zoom call. We can be providing trainings online. We can be doing those things. Do you see that the Jed... Foundation has done and shifted a little bit with their programming in terms of bringing it to another level because you now have more accessibility.
1: Yeah, so you know, I think as a as a national organization I and mean, we work with partners across the country, right? And so, uh, so I think just internally, you know, for us, uh, it's. It's great to be able to leverage technology to feel like we're in the room with school leadership teams as they're wrestling with these types of issues and conversations, and be able to you know provide our input in that way. It, you know, it allows us to provide services in a in a whole new way that doesn't require us to travel across the country every single time that we have a meeting. You know, number one, um, I think from the student and service perspective. Uh, you know another thing that I would mention is like the rise in telebehavioral health, Absolutely. right? which is so important. um and I think especially for our schools that that are in communities where maybe there is a uh, lack of local providers I mean, we all yeah. know that there is a shortage right now of mental health providers all nationally over. right it's it's a huge problem uh, but especially in our rural communities where maybe the closest you know therapist is 50 miles away uh, you know what what do we do so to be able to leverage programs like right here in texas i know uh, you all have the TChat chat program uh you know which is which is phenomenal provides free telebehavioral health services right. to, to k-12 through districts um, across the state of texas who want to take advantage being able to, to work as the Jed Foundation with school system to help them plan to implement those types of programs. Because there's a right. lot of like planning that goes involved. Like you can't just Absolutely. say, oh, "I'm we're going to run telebehavioral health and like just do it the next day. Right? I mean, you actually have to figure out a lot of logistics on yeah. what that looks like and, and how that will operate. But once you get it up and running, boy, what a great opportunity that is for students and families as well.
0: Absolutely. So my question to you right now, it, this is a, a dream question. What is your hope for the future of mental health in our schools? That's a it's a big question, but I really see so much potential.
1: Yeah, I, I have the answer. Actually, two answers. Oh, <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Yes. Okay, so, okay. So the the first uh, the first hope is um the first hope is that all students, regardless of whether they are in the K through 12 space or in higher ed, have access to an excellent mental health system that's comprehensive that provides services and prevention programs and mental health literacy training opportunities uh, that our students are walking out of our education systems prepared for life, right? Mm-hmm. Prepared for the world uh, and and all the the things that life will throw at them that, you know, they have a a healthy sense of self and, and are able to navigate healthy relationships and, and understand their own mental health and are able to get help when they, they need to, right? Because we, we've we got to do something about the mental health crisis that we're currently Absolutely. facing. Uh, you know, we have far too many young people taking their own lives uh, and it, it is a national crisis and we need to we need to do better. So that's, that's my first hope. Um, my second hope, uh, and this is in no way a political statement, but I have noticed that over the past several years, and I think many Americans would agree with me, that sometimes the education system seems to have become a battleground uh, for the political divisiveness that our our nation is currently facing, and so we sort of see that playing out specifically with mental health programs where uh you know you have certain initiatives that that are being attacked by one side or the other, and so you know my my hope is that Um, If we can refocus our attention and our energy on young people and the mental health crisis that we're currently facing as a nation and try to get the politics out of it and just think about what schools can do in their very special and unique position um, as being the heartbeat of their local communities, uh, you know, to take advantage of that and to kind of take the other stuff out and really just focus on on kids Um, I think is an important hope that I have for us all.
0: Oh, my God. I love that. And I love that you say that schools are the heart of our community because I believe that wholeheartedly. And I think people go to schools for much more than just an education these days and that we, we have the opportunity to work together. Across party lines yeah. to have a conversation about mental health in a different way that it does affect each human um, in different ways and really normalizing
1: yeah we it's, it's actually should be something we all agree on right we, we I all would want think kids so. to be well and <laughs> exactly. we all want kids to be healthy Absolutely. and and nobody wants yeah. uh, anyone to uh, to die by suicide right yeah. I mean and and we just to be able to take care of each other and, and for everyone to feel included and like they belong. You know, that is really what's at the core mm-hmm. of school mental health programming. And um, and so I think kind of just recentering ourselves on that is, is so important.
0: So another big piece that I want to address before we end is about our leadership in schools and also our amazing, incredible, resilient teaching staff. Yeah. What things are out there to support the ever-growing and ever-changing landscape of mental health in the schools for some of our educators. What is there, you know, with so many people, it's a different landscape than it was 10 years ago when you were teaching. So, and when things were, you know, different in the way we discussed this and behavioral health challenges are popping up in the classroom, what is there to support our educators?
1: Yeah, well, I'm so glad that you raised that point. And so the first thing that I would say is, Thank you. Thank you. Thank you to any of our educators or education leaders that (laughs) are listening in uh, to this today. Thank you for your work. Uh, You know, you hands down have uh, some of the hardest jobs that are out there. Uh, I I know it. Uh, You know, having been a teacher, having been a school counselor, having been a a district leader, uh, it's, you know, it's a phenomenal responsibility. So thank you for what you do. Again, I would say that the sort of the gift of the past few years has been that more systems than ever are waking up and paying attention and saying, wow, we actually have to take care of our staff, right? It's the the whole uh, analogy of, you know, you've got to put the oxygen mask Mm -hmm. on yourself first before you can take care of anybody else, right? And so so I do feel very hopeful about that tally, just to to be clear, like – I have noticed that um, more districts across the country, uh, more university systems across the country are investing in employee assistance programs. They're investing in other types of wellness programming that's out there. Um, They're offering uh, more personal time off and mental health days for their staff to be able to to try to achieve a better sense of work-life balance. Um, I think there's a lot of ways that you can think about it. And I feel encouraged that that school systems and education leaders seem to really be paying attention to that. But I I think it's just like kind of giving them the the support, which is what we do at the Jed Foundation, help them to support their thinking on what that can look like and how they can implement uh, those types of programs.
0: Well, I can't tell you how incredible this conversation has been for me. This is, as you know, a huge passion and a love that I have for the work that you do, but also for making sure that we continue to make sure that mental health is a priority in all of our schools in whatever way that looks like. We still don't know. There's no definitive ways, but that we keep trying that we're, we never give up yeah. because of this, which is, I really have to say, a testament to the work that you do and that the Jed Foundation does, which is incredible. Is there something that you want to leave this audience with today? Maybe a message of understanding or hope or, um, I mean, I love to leave our audience on a positive note right now. Um, And that it's not all doom and gloom. Um, So what positive message could you leave us with? Yeah,
1: I think think the positive message is the facts, right? Which is that um, I would say we actually do know exactly what to do. Like, we know. uh, That's what the Jed Foundation does, right? We know that when school systems implement a comprehensive approach to mental health, um, we can reduce the number of young people who... Uh, who consider suicide, we can improve their mental health outcomes, we can improve uh, their academic outcomes we can we can improve you know their well being overall, so we actually know what to do it 's just a matter of um, getting the word out there, continuing to name this as a priority that school systems across the country should feel free. Uh, you know, regardless of what are other pressures that they're that they're wrestling sure. with, uh, to be able to really invest and commit to this work, and I think collectively, if we all contribute to that conversation, if it's something that we can all anchor on, that like we all care about yeah. the well-being of young people and and educators, uh, then there's actually quite a bit that we can do, and, and that gives me tremendous hope.
0: Well, I love this, and I could spend hours speaking to you about this very subject, Dr. Tony Walker. It has been such an incredible incredible pleasure having you with me today, bringing your brilliance, but bringing your authenticity to the work that you do and just being the person that you are and being able to be an ambassador for mental health when you understand it so well. Um, I'm just so fortunate to know you and to have had you on this podcast today. Thank you all so much for listening to From Living in Silence to Living Out Loud I look forward to seeing you next month. Take care.